Welcome back, everyone, to the OGs. Don Povia joined by Kyle Bunch from sunny LA, getting back to his roots. The the he is a Cali guy. We talk about Texas every week, but he is a California SoCal University of Southern California guy. And you know, he flipped that hat on real quick, right? He went from the Austin uh, Austin <laughs> FC to LA. Here, Kyle, you're gonna have some problems in the fan section, man. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've already catching heat a little bit back in uh, back in Austin from the the Verde fam back there. But you know, it's got a lot of friends at, at LAFC. They do a great job there. Had a had a great night uh, Wednesday, except for a, a late tie. But uh, yeah, so anyways, I got a rep for LA. It's a big uh, it's a big day right now for LA sports. And uh, you know, guest wise, it felt on point. So I'm sitting poolside in Palm Springs, rocking the uh, the wings here, and here we are. Speaking of the guest fellow Trojan, do you want to do the introduction? Is that? Um, I mean, yeah, you know, we could. I'll start it off here and, and let Arash introduce himself. But yeah, it started, got his start at USC like I did, and uh, writing in the uh, the heyday of Leinert and Bush and the return of USC football and kind of taking that and building uh, a career as as now one of the kind of leading voices out there in LA around uh, sports in Los Angeles, which is. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what, safe to say the epicenter of the sports world for the next decade, given everything we've got coming to L.A. and uh, the, the way the teams are lined up. And also, yeah, Arash, uh, Arash Markazi, man, great to have you here finally. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, this really is sort of like the hub of sports over the next few years. And I, and I think, you know, whenever I've talked about how great Los Angeles is as a sports town, everyone's like, oh, you're a homer. It's not a great sports town. Well, you know. Factually, that's incorrect. Now we got the Super Bowl coming up. We've got, um, you know, the Olympics, of course, the World Cup, um, all these amazing events. And then, yes, we are recording the day after. And again, these trades will become official shortly. Russell Westbrook and Max Scherzer are coming to Los Angeles. And the beauty of Los Angeles is we are a fickle fan base. That's true. I will give us that. Not with the Lakers and the Dodgers, but... The fickleness of the fan base forces the teams out here to really swing for the fences, whether you're the Rams and you're going out to get Matthew Stafford and Jalen Ramsey and whatnot and the Chargers. and You really have to not just show up and you really have to be competitive and contending. And I love that. Yeah. And uh, I was as I was sitting there at Bank of California Stadium in the in the shadow of the renovated Coliseum, I mean, is there a city with a better set of uh, facilities? We'll just turn this into a whole LA love fest. Just to, I can hear every all of our Philly listeners just barfing uh, audibly right now. But uh, you know, like they said, you could host the Olympics there right now and have better facilities than yeah. anywhere in the world. It's amazing. I mean, the beautiful thing is that the fans are finally going to see SoFi. I was lucky enough that I got to cover games. It was just the media last year for the Rams and the Chargers. And it is a stadium unlike anything else. I mean, I've often been asked to compare it to Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. That's another fantastic facility. The difference is, and you can really see it if you get a tour of both, Allegiant is a beautiful, magnificent $2 billion stadium right next to the Strip in Las Vegas. SoFi Stadium is $5 billion. And so why is it $5 billion? I mean, you really do have to uh, tour it to really get a, a, a sense of what it's all about. And I'm so excited for Los Angeles to see it again, the home of the Rams and the Chargers, but also the Super Bowl and all these big events that have not come to Los Angeles for years and years and years because we only had two 
football stadiums, the Rose Bowl and the Coliseum, and God bless them, historic and all that great stuff, and they refurbished it, not up to the par for a pro football team in the Super Bowl and all those big events. So now all those events are, are, are not only coming to Los Angeles, guys, but Las Vegas. And over the last five years, I've been fortunate enough to be covering that flight path and highway that's connecting those two towns. And so if you combine Las Vegas, home of the Pro Bowl, the NHL All-Star Game, they're going to get the Super Bowl. They're going to get all these big events. So, again, that that flight path and highway connecting Vegas and Los Angeles, it's the really the hub of the sports world. Now, obviously, though, as we flash back, I mean, let's go back to college days. Yeah. You know, it was a different time when you had a Dodger Dodgers owned by a definitely different ownership group. You had, you know, obviously ups and downs for the Lakers, but go back to, I mean, SC and your start as, as, because if the timing was essentially you were coming through writing at the time that SC got good again, right? Weren't you a student with, you know, Leinert and all? It was amazing. My first day, uh, truth, my first day on campus was Pete Carroll's opening press conference. My first day on campus. So I got there in the spring. So his press conference, I forget exactly what date it was, but it like my first day on campus was his opening press conference, which I got to cover. And again, you know, uh, struggled that that first year. Again, he replaced Paul Hackett, but they go, um, I think they, they, they went six and six his, his first year. And then that very next year was the run with, you know, they had Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer wins the Heisman Trophy. They become like a top five team. And then obviously after that, Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush and the winning streak and the national championships and all that. And it's just, it was an amazing time because people forget we didn't have a pro football team. The Lakers had just traded Shaq. The Dodgers weren't, they were okay, but they weren't contending. So the, the, by de facto, I mean, USC was the team of Los Angeles. It was certainly our pro football team, a hundred thousand people at, at the Coliseum, but the Lakers weren't what they were. The Dodgers weren't what they were. The Kings weren't, I mean, like that, that was the signature team of Los Angeles. So it was an amazing time period to not only cover that team, but be with those guys. Again, we were students together, so I would hang out with them, and and it, it was a lot of fun. So speaking of the pro football team in, in Los Angeles, uh, we'll, we'll keep it at USC. Uh, the, the first, well, we met Arash, uh, and speaking of Vegas, uh, it came out to Vegas, and Blogs That's Evolved right. too. Uh, and I just remember he's sitting in the audience and, you know, Slam, I think every episode we seem to mention Slam. So he had the Slam background and all that. The, uh, the, the Vegas League was going on at the time. Uh, out there, but uh, you know, Rosh says, "Hey, I got this hookup with uh, with um, what's his name, the chef." Oh, um, Emerald Le- Le- um, Lagasse. Lagasse. He's like everybody way, come out I, to the stadium. I, I thought <laughs> about that because that place just closed, and it, it they will refurbish it. And but that was such an amazing. It was one of the first. You know, a lot of these places are doing it, but like they built a sports bar, whatever, around like. Let's have these massive TVs. Let's like build like the world's largest sports book. And now you got Circa and the Superbook, and that's like a thing. But I remember, yeah, my my friend 
just opened that up and I'm like, Hey, listen, you have a lot, a lot of uh, sports media guys and bloggers, like maybe you can have them over. And so that was a lot of fun. It was all like, so it's not only he's like in the crowd and then he's like, yeah, like I'm bringing value to you too. Like, <laughs> excellent. Uh, but okay. So yeah, that was like the first meeting, but then uh, we, we did that brief little thing with the NFL PA uh, yeah. for uh, the NFL PA bowl early on. Um, but one of the main conversations was, you know, can football, pro football work in Los Angeles? And now we're a couple of years into it. Uh, the conversation, Kyle, I don't remember, you know, what the consensus was back there. I believe it was, there's so much going on. It's so hard to get to a Sunday afternoon. People just want to go to the beach. I think that was kind of like summing up the panels out there from that. Uh mistake yeah I, I always i mean the thing that always stuck with me is as one of the kids who had been abandoned by the i was more raiders than rams yeah um was just how i became so my life became so fantasy football ruled for me that, yeah. that was like the nfl existed for fantasy football and i became increasingly fine with that so i just remember at the time being eh, if la's here then i'm going to get stuck with one game a week i probably don't want versus the best games that we're getting on tv we were just kind of spoiled in that way we were just getting the best games on tv a lot of times um, so I, yeah, I, I seem to remember everybody having a, a fair deal of skepticism again. Yeah. SC was on a good run. There were some of those years where UCLA was, was a real threat. The PAC 12 was in or PAC 10 at the time was in the conversation to be winning championships, but yeah, it's been, I'm curious to get how you, you sort of see it on the ground. Obviously it's been sort of a, a weird stunted kind of beginning for everybody out there from the years in the Coliseum to where we are now, obviously the Chargers start, but how do you feel yeah. like it's going for each team out there? You know, so we'll get a good sense now that fans can go to games at SoFi because it was weird because Rams games at the Coliseum, it was just such a production. I mean, fans did not like that. Again, if you're a USC student, you're used to the Coliseum. If you're a student, Student, you can like walk across the uh, street. There were so many fans who went to one of those first Rams games at the Coliseum, which were sold out. Again, they played the uh, Cowboys, they played the uh, Seahawks, so, 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 so they began with a couple of signature games that sold out the Coliseum. And if you've been at the Coliseum when it's warm, and there's a line around the stadium to use the bathroom, they run, run out of water, they run out of beer. It was there was so many people who went to one or both of those two games and said, I am not coming back to the Coliseum. Like I'll wait till they, um, they, they move. Um, and then the chargers was a weird deal because the, the that stadiums had so many names. The, I think it was uh, the stadium. We did the event. I was out yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah. So that's like a 20,000 seat stadium, which the joke was the chargers can't even fill that, which wasn't true. The problem was ticket prices were so much again, you're going to a national football league game in a 20,000 stadium that looks like a high school football you know, state, state stadium in Texas. So it was hard actually to get a ticket. So it wasn't like they couldn't fill it, but when it was like the Packers and the chargers or the Pittsburgh Steelers and the chargers, I mean, the cheapest in, you know, to get a seat was like $500 or $300. So, um, I think now that they're in SoFi, we'll get a better sense of where both teams are. The problem is, here's the thing. The Rams will be a success here. There's no doubt about that. I'm not worried about the Rams. The Chargers were, 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 were the team that nobody wanted in Los Angeles because, again, if you wanted to really see a Chargers game, you could make that, that, that drive or hop on the train and go to San Diego. So no one – it would be like the Padres coming here. It's like like the like, – we love making that drive or hopping on that train to go see the Padres or the Chargers. We don't need them to come here. So 
they and, will struggle. Yeah. And, and don't you, I think you, you and I have maybe even had this conversation on Twitter around the, that missed opportunity of why did you bring the chargers brand even with you to begin? Like, why not yeah. kind of oh, have a fresh start if you're going to do it? Like you should have done it like Cleveland. Hey, San Diego, if you get a team again, you can be the chargers that that stays there. Uh, it, it just feels like they did this so wrong from the start. 100%. I mean, people still, professionals, whether you're talking about officials or play-by-play announcers, struggle saying Los Angeles Chargers, and they've been here for a few years now. I mean, people still say San Diego Chargers. They were there for over 50 years. So what I told the people with the Chargers who were, again, they they just wanted to curry favor in terms of like, it gives allow us to have a chance. And I said, listen, I got to be honest, you are going to struggle as long as you're the Los Angeles Chargers because no one views Chargers as a Los Angeles, you know, team. And I I thought it was so ridiculous when they were like, well, but, you know, we, we started as the large Los Angeles Chargers. I said, yeah, you were you started as the Los Angeles Chargers back in 1960. You were here for 10 months and then you left. Like no one really remembers you guys as the Los Angeles Chargers. But I said, if you rebrand yourselves and the hat you're wearing, Kyle, like LAFC, what they've been able to build there as a unique brand, which they've cultivated and created. And the shocking thing about it is I'm amazed at how successful that team is because you're going head to head with another soccer team in town in the Galaxy that have won five MLS Cups, David Beckham, Landy, Landon Donovan, Kobe Jones, like they've had success. And this new team comes along. And again, they're not totally new, right? We had Chivas USA, but um, people adopted them. And so that was the one thing I told the Chargers. I said, look at the way that that team found a way to win here. And and it's by saying we are going to build something totally new from the ground up, new colors, new logo, new name. And they're like, no, I mean, listen. The Chargers, they have a great name, logo, and history, but it belongs in San Diego. It, it, no, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's interesting you say that about LAFC. I, as I went to the match the other night and sat with a friend of mine who's a Philly guy who, you know, he's like, look, I've kind of adopted the Dodgers. I can get behind that. I'm just not a huge baseball guy. I'm never going to – the Sixers and, and Eagles, I'm ride or die forever. I'm never going to change on that. This was my chance. So I he yeah. bought all in and I see it in Austin now there. And I think you're yeah. right. You could have had this, had the best of all worlds, had that, but with the NFL, you know, the MLS does this really well where it's, Hey, especially a city like LA, you have all these transplants. They've got their loyalties, but they yeah. do want to all buy into something together. And, and I, I I'm, to me, it's like the flip of, you could have had a brand new brand of an LA football team that now would be loaded with like a young superstar quarterback. Like, you, yeah. It's literally we're talking about like maybe a billion dollar in valuation shift in my mind if oh, you had yeah. done that right versus what you have now. Uh, it's it, it's nuts. And you brought up a great point. I think that is why the Vegas um, hockey team was successful because I think there were so many people out there who were sports fans who had a football team or a hoops team or whatever. They, they, they There wasn't a ton of hockey fans there, but they had adopted that team and like Vegas is all in on the Golden Knights. I I don't know if you guys have had a chance to go to a game, but it is one of the best in-person sports experiences. Just the pregame show, the atmosphere, uh, it's it's incredible. How are that while we're on the subject of some of that, how how have you seen the Raiders doing out there? They'll do fine. The biggest issue that that I have is I do think there's there's going to be a ton of team fans for the opposing team and that that that's going to be normal but the two things that, that i said 
was if you're a fan who goes to a a road game, you look at this schedule and you circle one road game, you're circling Las Vegas. That is no doubt about that. You're making that trip out to Vegas and you're going to see your team play. So there's going to be a ton of opposing fans. And that was all well, I got I, yeah, I got sure. I got I got disagree with you. Sure. And part of it I think I'm just too exhausted for LA or for for Vegas cuz the Eagles are on there and uh I know my friends like got that I'm like why don't we go to Charlotte? They're like what are you kidding? Like they're like they're like Vegas is on the schedule. We're going to Vegas. I'm like uh, I don't know. Dallas let's just You are in the minority who's picking Charlotte uh, over Las Vegas. Uh, like no, I just I didn't want to com- <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to commit to me and my friends friends being 40 you know 40 some year olds payments from the charlotte it just i would just try to steer any way i could away from vegas i'm like this just doesn't seem like a good idea a bunch of 40 year old guys going out for an eagles game to vegas just this is a recipe waiting for disaster i, I am is- curious like you get the right week the right ufc fight with a like patriots oh. or eagles fa- crowd visiting on a on a saturday night before that game Vegas could be like it could so, be dangerous. I'll give you very guys that place. that weekend will be October. I'm gonna blank if it's October third, but that that weekend in October is the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight on a Saturday night, and then the Chicago Bears and the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. That is gonna be one heck of a weekend in Las Vegas. Yeah. So on the subject of Vegas, because I feel like, again, in your sort of unique timeline and being having a front row seat for interesting things, USC definitely being one of them. I feel like you talked about it a bit, but Vegas becoming a a next level sports hub from where it was where look, it was always Caesar sports book. It's always been boxing, but like it feels like over the last few years, especially when you think about legal betting and sort of the attitudes from pro sports changing about Vegas. Yeah. It really, I mean, you, how have you seen that transformation? No, play yeah. out? Where so, do you think it keeps going? Do the A's end up there? Do we keep going yeah. further? So it was five years ago, Chad Millman asked me to cover the flight path between Los Angeles and Las Vegas. So I was there the night um, or the day or whatever, where they got the um, hockey team. They didn't like have a name or a team name, but the league said, you know, we're going to give you. So I was there for the opening of T-Mobile. I was there when they first got the hockey team. The most amazing thing, just because I was in Los Angeles for 21 years where we lost both of our teams, wanted to get a team back, could never get, get, get a team back. That Vegas, you know, timeline for them to get a pro football team was so fast. It, it went from like a rumor to like within like a year or two, like they got the team. And so, they got the team before they even broke ground. So that's why the team, unfortunately, I felt bad for people like in Oakland. They're like, we're moving to Vegas. We don't have a stadium there yet. And Sam Boyd is such a disaster. You couldn't really have a game there. So um, it has really become this amazing pro sports town there where, you know, they're going to have the all-star game and the pro bowl and like the uh, draft and all that. Um, The other amazing thing, of course, this happened during the time period it is now legal to gamble around the country. And if your state is, is not legal yet, it will be. So once again, the, the, cl- the cloud of you know gambling and sports books, that's all gone. It's amazing. The Superdome is now called the Caesars Superdome and all these different teams. I mean, the league, the National Football League has a partnership with Caesars. So 
It's been incredible, right? Because when we first met years ago, I mean, the the league didn't want to have anything to do. I mean, the thought that a player would even have an event in Las Vegas was frowned upon. Now you get Allegiant Stadium, home of the Pro Bowl, home of the NFL Draft, home of the Raiders, home of the Super Bowl at some point. It's just it's incredible. Well, I think that was a big joke too, with especially the Raiders, right? So they're putting they're putting the Raiders in Las Vegas and legalizing weed. Like that's right. I mean, it was like the trifecta. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Um, Arash, let's uh, switch switch gears a little bit, and you know, you have such a, a pedigree. I always looked at you as this like self made man, right? And I don't know if that's true or not in terms of professionally, but certainly, you know, well, transformation just physically over the years, a credit to you being open about your journey for that. But you know, your 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 professional journey, I mean, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, we mentioned Slam, um, WWE, which, yeah. you know, I really want to get into. Uh, <laughs> I teased about having the shirt. I do have some figurines. I got Steamboat, Ventura, nice. and the Iron Sheik in the back, but you can't see that. And I host a, a wrestling podcast, too. I'll have to, have to get you on. I'm a, yeah. I'm a sometimes guest with, uh, with them. Um, but again, like the LA Times, um, <laughs> it's like the murderer's row of resumes right there, man. Uh, where's the, where's the foot in the door? How many internships, how many, how many free articles did you write? How did this, how did you do it? Cause uh, I think anybody would want to have that proje- professional trajectory that you've had. Yeah. So it began, I mean, obviously at USC, but, but also like professionally, I think with slam, which was a magazine, like I just liked as a fan of, you know, Shaq and Kobe and the Lakers at that time. So like, I remember I sent an email to Slam saying, hey, if there's anything that you need, not realizing, and and I don't know how familiar you guys are with the staff. um, It was a skeleton staff that put together Slam magazine. It was like four or five guys in a a room in New York. So the fact that someone in Los Angeles was saying, like, I would love to work with you guys for free, or I, I, I would love to do something. So they started credentialing me to cover the Clippers and the Lakers. It took me a little bit longer for the Lakers because they were good, right? And so, um, but I started to do that. I started to contribute to uh, Slam Online, their website that started to do stuff for their magazine. A King magazine came around around that same time. They produced that magazine. So I, I got to help out with them. And so all of a sudden, by the time I was graduating, like I had these clips and they were not only online, but they were in magazines. So it looked good. And then um, Hesai moved to New York, worked at SI, um, ESPN. I made that transition 2009. Uh, they were launching the local sites. But then after that, I, I just transitioned. I, I, I just moved on to the main website and started to do stuff for TV and radio. Los Angeles Times after that. And then like the when the pandemic hit, it was like it really affected everything because all of a sudden I was like the page two columnist for the sports section and there was no sports section. And then when we did have a sports section, it was like two pages. And so didn't really do that. And what you guys have probably seen over the last and I don't know if this was because of the pandemic or this was already going to happen. But if you have a platform you don't really need to be attached to the outlets. And I was always so proud to say that like I worked at Sports Illustrated, worked at ESPN, worked at the Times, but like now the number of people who are doing their own thing on Substack or doing their own podcast and, and 
you know, it takes like this, like, like entrepreneurial spirit that I never really had. But then it's like, is there a way I can find out a way to do this on my own where I don't have to like answer to a, a boss where I can start my own sub stack. I can start my own podcast. I can start my own stuff and see if that's a possibility. But again, like maybe this was going to happen at some point, but it's really happened during the pandemic where you've seen like Gary L. Helwani and Mark Stein and a lot of guys leave good jobs and say, you know what? Like I'm going to, try this myself and so that's been really cool to see yeah don knows i i love uh sub i yeah. usually get a sub stat call out somewhere in these conversations around how the industry's changed so i'm glad you, you beat me to it um yeah I, I i think what's interesting to me i'm curious how you think this can this will play out in terms of i love seeing and the idea that a path can now be somebody can have that brand of their own. Maybe they still are a contributing writer at times yeah. to some of these outlets, but but they can kind of build that themselves. As the consumer of it, I struggle at times because now I've got 50 newsletters that I'm trying to manage. And a lot and a lot of times that unbundling of those subscriptions. I I, do you think that it gets to a place where the future might look somewhat like the athletic in terms of packaging, but more the economics being more writer for creator friendly is that is that where we might be headed yeah i think that's important because there's so many talented people joining substack and the idea that i right, say like i like mark stein i like gabriel hawani there's a couple of other big names who i can't reveal who are about to announce that they're going to substack and i'm um, like you like i want to support and subscribe to all of them and even if they're saying five dollars a month like, do I want to spend like a like a hundred dollars? So, you know, so there has to be a way where either they can get a sponsor, so it's sponsored, so they they're gonna get paid, but then it's free for the consumer, or there's a way they they can combine their forces. You're you're right. So the 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 model is there, but there has to be a way that I don't have to spend five dollars a month to read like everyone I really like because I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get broke probably do it because there's a lot of really people, great people who have joined Substack, and I think the beauty there is right. Like I mean, the, the way that this was explained to me, like okay, say so you have like two hundred thousand followers or a hundred thousand followers. Like if just one percent joined at five dollars a month, you can make this much, which is true. But I I, I think it's going to be hard. Like if you've joined the game now, kudos to you. If you're going to join in a year and it's like, you're like the 25th big name to, to join Substack and you have these aspirations of doing what like other guys are doing. I think you're right. They, they do have to find a way to combine forces or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think, I think right now it seems like the model is what you described get the money out of your super fans, yeah. right? Like you, you've got some incredibly, make sure you get that money first. The next wave is okay. Right. But then there's a whole group of people, many of whom might be future super fans. How do you, how do you grow them into that? And, you know, I think there's some other players on the platform called Ever, or uh, a group of writers that pooled together called uh, every, which was okay. basically like, uh, imagine Substack, but it's like, yeah, there's like 25 different newsletters. You subscribe to the whole thing and you get this bundle yeah. People then providing things like I think was it Casey Newton, some of those guys providing like a Discord 
channel for like, oh, if you subscribe to one of these five, you get to join this added community. So the point to me, though, is if you take it back to the days where we were, you know, getting our start in blogging, it feels like the first time in a long time where you have this openness and experimentation versus a really standardized model that increasingly just became all roads lead to Facebook and Twitter and social media platforms that own everything. And I think the thing that you have to do to separate yourself from so many, and I've seen people do this with the different tiers, right? Is that, is that you have to connect with your fans or you have to connect with these subscribers. So it can't just be pay this per month to read me. It's like, if you pay this per month to read me, you can also be a part of my Slack channel or like you said, or we can hop on a Zoom or something where they feel like you have a connection to you now. And and I I think that's the importance because like $5 a month and there's 20 people like I want to read, that's going to be hard. And so like, then I look at, okay, well, so-and-so is offering a, being a part of the Slack channel or being a, doing a weekly Zoom or something. So then you feel like you have more of a connection. But I love that this forces people to be creative, right? Because I think the days of us... So here's the other thing. Talking of young journalists, they've already viewed this. Like they are already saying, I don't necessarily want to work for a newspaper or for a magazine. I want to do my own thing, whether that's working with players or working with teams or starting my own firm where I, you know, it's, I love that creativity because that's not what I thought. And that's not even a year ago what I thought, but now I'm like, shoot, I actually am quite candidly making more doing it this way where WWE doing stuff with them, got my own, you know, talk show that turns into a podcast, Substack, all these. And I feel more free. I feel more creative. And again, you have more of that connection with the people who want to hear from you. So it's not like you're tied down and you're like, well, I can't cover this because my colleague is doing that. I can do whatever I want. What does it mean for the future of ESPN and, and the other, the, you know, the company, the jobs that you would have killed for out of college that now Arash of today is not probably has ESPN at the top of. Well, but here's the beauty. Yeah. I mean, so I think at the beginning of your career, you want to go to a place like that to build a platform. That's still important. But if you're Bill Simmons, for example, if you're Dan Lebetard, you cannot possibly make the money that they're making staying with those companies. So you do get to a point in time where it does behoove you both creatively, financially to go out on your own. Now, Stephen A. Smith, that's totally different. Again, he needs that platform and they're paying him whatever, 12 million. So that's that he's separate. But again, if you're Simmons, if you're Lebetard, if you're a, a person where you have a big following, you're going to make more and you're going to be happier. You're going to be more creative doing your own thing. And I think for many years, it was like, well, you can't leave ESPN because if you leave ESPN, who's going to know who you are or what you're doing? Like, that's not the case anymore. And so I think a lot of when I call them kids, you know, if you're in college, you realize that. But I do think it's important to know that you have to build a platform first. Now, saying that, these kids can also build their own platform via like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever. So I'm not even saying that they have to be attached to a big name company. 
but that's the way that they're thinking, you know? So the idea that you have to take a five figure job in Tuscaloosa or wherever to make it, that's not the case anymore. I mean, if you, for however way you do it, get a big following on social, you can have your own show. You can do your own podcast, radio show, YouTube streaming. I mean, there's, there's so many ways and that's how they view it now that I, there were so many kids that I've been talking to who are like, listen, I appreciate the path you took, but I don't necessarily want to do that. I want to do my own thing. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> I, it, it strikes me to use, to, to force a sports metaphor in here, but it might work. Is ESPN the team that's kind of having to pivot from we can go out and sign the big free agents to we have a re- we're really good at talent development? Does I ESPN so, really yeah. need to focus on like how they get young people to air faster, how they create those opportunities? Because they're not going to be able to have the big names seeking them out in numbers the way they used to. Exactly. You know? I mean, but, but the beauty of them will like always be the platform. It will always be the channel that's on TV when you're at the sports bar, when you're at the hotel or whatnot. So the big thing is because I sadly got so I saw so many people who spent their entire lives with that company get let go at the drop of a hat because whatever they had layoffs, what you know, I think what has been lost, and I say this, this could be a good thing. The idea that you're going to get hired there and you're going to spend your entire life there. You can't think like that. And I, and I'm saying that that's not even your, your, your choice, but even if you are to make your choice is say, okay, I'm going to use my time here to build up that platform. I'm going to use my time on first take and sports center and like use that platform and then use that platform to within a however many years do your own thing where you can make the announcement. Hey, I've had a great run like at ESPN. I'm going out on my own. I got a Spotify. I got a Substack. I got this, that, and the other. And you could create your own thing. I mean, Dan Patrick was like the first one and you could get to show like more people feel connected to him and his crew since he left. You know, you wake up in the morning and you feel like you know that that crew and you know him. So if if you build up a fan base, if you build up a following, I think the days of saying, like, this is my job forever. I mean, the number of lifers that got let go recently who thought they would be there forever. That should be a wake up call. That should be your wake up call to say, hey, listen, maybe I should be looking for like the next thing before they show me the next thing. And I, I, I think that that, you know, that's something happening sort of society wide oh, right now. 100%. Right. That, that's a broader, everybody, yes. we've all had that moment to re-examine our relationship with our job. And, you know, so some of these things you're talking about where I might not even be making more money in this scenario, but the freedom, some of the oh, yeah. other, you know, non-tangible intangible costs, um, are, are real. I was talking to a friend today who was, or, or this week that was, you know, forced back in the office and she had just done the math on a two week stretch where she had to be back in the office while her husband was on a road trip. And it was a grant between having to put her dog in daycare, the gas, uh, like it was a thousand bucks for two weeks of just flipping the switch of being back in the office versus the otherwise in that, in that moment for her. And everybody goes, wait, why? Like, oh, because I've got to be CMO by 40 or I've got to make this title or like these things. And so I think it's coming to roost in sports like it is across other industries. But and, you know, be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. I mean, there's been so many times where I've had conversations with kids in college 
where I'm like, you may not need this advice now, but, but your happiness, there is a price attached to that. When I, when I say that, here's what I mean. Like if you are offered, uh, you know, 10% more, don't just take the, that job because you're offered 10% more. Will you be happy living there? Will you be happy doing that job? Will you be like your happiness does matter. And you bring up a great point. I think because of the pandemic, there's been a lot of people who've said, listen, like, this is a good job, but like, I'm not happy doing it. And I don't want to go back to work or I don't want to go back to this job. And that doesn't make you a failure. That doesn't mean like, like find something that makes you happy. Find something that's going to, you know, you're going to be feel creative, feel important, feel good about yourself. And so I think there's a lot of times, unfortunately, people will take a job because they're getting paid like, you know, one cent more. And it's like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. What's going to make you happy. It's a great segue. And I hate to bring it back here, but I'm going to bring it back here because talking about stuff to make you happy. Like I am literally like, look, Sports Review Wrestling. Yeah. Like, look at this That's here. Awesome. Oh, OJ yeah. Simpson on the cover. Oh, yeah. Ron Simmons is OJ Simpson. I got I got a lot of this stuff around here. I'm not going to drag it all out. But uh, have you learned to take a bump yet? When are we going to see Arash no. take a bump on NXT? You know, I, I told them that I am more than willing to do that. They kind of laughed it off. So I have, I have not <laughs> taken a bump yet. Um, it, it's cool because the role that I have with the company, and I travel to Florida once a month to, to, to do TV, is um, – they wanted me to just be myself. I'm a Rosh Markazi sports journalist sitting down with their talent. They're in character. I'm myself. I don't change anything. I know where they're at in character development. So I know who they're feuding with, who's going after them. But what Triple H told me was like, we don't want you to be a character. We're not going to have you um, screaming or yelling. <laughs> like the, the way you would talk to LeBron James or the way that you would talk to a player is like, that's what we want. And I, I've really enjoyed the feedback from a lot of the fans. We're like, we kind of love this. And, and I, what I looked at for like inspiration and he's such a friend of mine. So I was so thankful to do this when Jim Ross would do these a while ago, when he would sit down with Stone Cold Steve Austin and they, they would, be in some room like sitting on a couch and you know you would really get to know who these characters are and so um it's been a blast so far and again it's 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 sort of like a once a month thing so i still live in los angeles but i'll go on the road uh, they, they're they're still doing a lot of their shows in florida but um it's been awesome. And again, the um, the um, NXT brand has been so fun to work with because, again, tr- uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels are kind of like the, the, the two guys in charge there. And so I get to work with Triple H and Shawn Michaels, which is like a dream come true. It's the, like you're like the new member of DX. So I know I know there's been a couple of articles and things like that. But, you know, how did that how does that come about? How does one go about well, like, forget, forget. Okay. If you want to get into writing, you, you get, you write a little bit for slam magazine. I feel like every I've, we've had six, probably six guests tell us that. So now I, w- I want to be an interviewer for a professional wrestling federation. H- how do I go about getting that? Well, so it was interesting. Nick Khan is a friend and Nick Khan, when he joined the company, that was one of, you know, he, he knows how big of a fan like I am and I knew how big a fan he was. So I was really happy that he got the job. And so like when Nick went, he said, would you be interested in coming over at some point? I'm like, of course that would be amazing. It'd be like a dream come true. And so what they did was, you know, three of his former 
you know, clients, I, I guess, joined them. Um, Hadnan Verk for a period of time was the play-by-play voice of Raw. Um, who else? Um, who else? So I joined and then someone else joined. Uh, oh, Pat and McAfee, of course, on SmackDown. So, um, but it was a thrill. I mean, I didn't know what I would be doing exactly. And then when they told me, I'm like, I used to remember that. Like when, when, when Jim Ross would sit down with the talent again, it wasn't like inside the ring. It was off to the side. It was pre-taped and, you know, he would really get to know the characters. And so that was sort of what we had talked about, um, talked to some of the, the talent about that. And it kind of came together pretty quickly and yeah, it's been, it's, it's been such a blast. I mean, it's still surreal to get like an email from either, you know, uh, you know, Paul Levesque or Stephanie McMahon. And it's like, okay, that's, that's cool. <laughs> so, I mean, to be honest, these are kind of experiences in life that I, I never thought like I would have. And so that's why I, I think it's important going back to what we had talked about is that I think prior to the pandemic, I would have just kept my head down and done my job and really not rock the boat. Because again, when you get to a point when you're comfortable financially and comfortable with your work, like you just want to, you just want to continue doing a good job. But then it's like, you kind of take a step back and you're like, what's going to make me happy? You know, what's going to make me, um, what's going to make me happy personally and professionally. And like, Man, I get to work with these guys. I'll, you know, I was gonna bring it, you know, but I have all, all these championship titles. Let me let me show you real quick. I'll I'll, I'll bring this up. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's something for everybody on this one. We've got, got your yes. wrestling side, my LA sports side. That's like the that is the Shawn Michaels one there. That's right? like the old school. So this was yeah. like the Hulk Hogan, you know, oh, yeah. one back in the day, and like Shawn Michaels and the Hitman Bret Hart. But it was it's like, and then like all the uh, chairs that I have like around my house. I mean, so this is not company related. This is like the Royal Rumble, you know, when I was there ringside. So, so the fact that I get to work with these guys now, like it's, it's such a dream come true. And I still get to cover like, well, like I get the best of both worlds. I get Los Angeles sports. I get to cover that with my talk show. And then I get to do this. Oh, that's awesome. I used to love those figurines. Those were the best, man. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> look at the way he's holding it, man. He's ready to cut a promo. That's right. <laughs> so tell the Let's truth. All right. All right. They, they want you to be the straight man. But, man, you know you want, like, a Piper's oh, Pit, like, I set told up, them. <laughs> I told them. I, I want to take one bump. At some point, I'll, I'll be pissed off if I don't. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go offline and talk a lot about that. Yeah. But Arash, uh, I know Kyle is uh, out there in the sun with his guns showing, man. Um, really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, great seeing you again back in Miami at the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's funny, uh, Kyle uh, Greg Meskel, who's who is a, a moderator at one of our events. Uh, he, he, you know, there are a bunch of football players there. I think Samari Roll and Bullock and. Uh, what's his name was DJing, um, um, Eddie George, Eddie George, George, right? Eddie George yeah, the freak, DJ, the freak was there. Greg's like, that was a great, uh, can, can you take a picture of me and Arash? Like, like <laughs> that's, that's the picture he grabbed for. So certainly well-respected man amongst your peers and, uh, you know, really, really do appreciate the insight and taking some time to join us. I know we, we kicked this around and pushed it back a couple of times, but yeah. glad we, glad we got it done. Thank you so much. And it's such a pleasure. And I often think back to the, that event where I got to meet so many guys who are doing their dream. Like we, like when you think about what we get to do. So 
I love it. Hopefully we get to, to, to do it soon, guys. Yep, right. yep, absolutely. We Thanks will so uh well I think what we're gonna do, Kyle, is we're gonna we're gonna plan some LA stuff, man. Yes. I think that's the way to go. And we're gonna loop you in if, yeah. if you'll have us. I would love that. Awesome. Well, this was the outside game. I'm Don Povia. That was Kyle Bunch and our guest this week, Arash Markazi. Until next week, we're the OGs. Thanks for listening, everybody.